of the summit, and I got my homie homie with me, Lindsay, who is talking about building Black wealth with me. Like, I cannot think of a, a, a woman that I've been more impressed with um, as it relates to breaking down very complex topics around finance and uh, asset planning and estate planning and credit and all these things. I geek out on that all the time, but none of my friends do. So I love her. <laughs> uh, and we're going to talk about all the things. Um, but before we do, um, I, I definitely want you to know a little bit about each of us, right? Because we are Black women first. <laughs> So uh, we'll unpack that. Uh, Lindsay, do you want to go first and, and share a bit about your background? Absolutely. Hello, 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 ladies. So glad that you all made it to this day. We are so blessed to have you all, and we hope that you all are full. We hope that you feel recharged, but we also hope that you feel empowered to go out there and create a legacy for you and your family and everyone else attached to you. My name is Lindsay Peel, and I have the honor of serving as the founder and principal consultant of Kingdom Vision Consulting. We are a financial services firm that specializes in personal and small business financial capacity building, specifically for entrepreneurs of color. We focus on five key areas of finance, known as class, credit worthiness, long-term wealth, asset protection, strategic banking relationships, and strategic asset accumulation. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Ms. Casey and the entire team at Blaze for this amazing opportunity for women like us to invest in ourselves, but also to be able to pour into each other. So I am so excited for today's conversation. Oh, thank you, Lizette. And we're honored that you're here, like point blank period. Thank you so much for sharing spaces. Uh, and like Lindsay was saying, like this is all about uh, letting us hold your hand, right? So uh, light up the chat with your reactions, your questions, your comments, um, virtual high five sisters in the chat that are uh, already doing some of the things we talk about. And then virtual high five some people who are accepting the challenge, right? To step it up and do better, right? Uh, we're here to help each other. Um, as uh, by way of background, I am Casey Richardson, founder of Blaze Group LLC. Blaze stands for building leaders and accepting zero excuses. That is first for me and the way that I show up for the Black women that I serve. It is secondly for those who claim they want to show up and cake for us. They have to understand that this is our turf. It is protected space. They need to come and speak in terms that we understand using examples that are relevant to us, right? And founded on principles that are definitely anchored in putting us first because Black women, gone are the days where we're trying to be superwoman, right? And the last one's in the ladder and we die lonely enough to feel right around a whole bunch of people who don't even see us right um and then lastly it is definitely for the tribe of women that i serve like doing this scared right that ain't no excuse <laughs> right just put one foot in front of the other um i spent a decade in in corporate america working for bank of america structuring multi-billion dollar loans um, for tech companies. So I dealt with uh, large corporates such as uh, Dell and Apple, uh, as well as some unicorns in Silicon Valley, such as Pinterest, Uber, um, has some pretty, pretty fun ones in the portfolio. But uh, there was never a time in my journey where I worked on a deal team structuring these solutions with people that looked like me. There was never once another Black woman on the deal team, right? And then beyond that, there was never a Black person 
receiving the funds. So it definitely wasn't a black woman receiving the funds, right? So I walked away with the full intention of taking my knowledge to the streets, right? Because if women weren't working alongside me, structuring this stuff, that means that it was a high likelihood that this knowledge was not leaving those four walls and getting to the communities where geniuses, right? Walk around every day, resourceful people walk around every day. So uh, that's what this is about. Uh, that's why I've collaborated with uh, extremely intelligent women like this, eh? and we're gonna unpack a lot of things today. So let's talk about black wealth, sis. <laughs> um, I'm particularly excited about this topic, uh, given that both of us have backgrounds in finance, and say, uh, and uh, I know that there weren't a lot of people that look like us, right, on the inside of those walls. Um, I would say that entrepreneurship is very correlated with ownership. And that ownership is very correlated to equity, right? Because once we're in a position of ownership, we got something to pass down, right? We create the rules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera right? Um, and it, it will allow us to bypass a lot of the systemic uh, barriers that exist, right? If we truly do pull our resources together, right? Or have a directory of people we lean on and go to for services instead of going to these cookie cutter um, huge behemoths, right? Uh, that's one of my lenses. And that's why I'm excited about uh, this summit, right? Because I think we already hold the keys. It's just trying to figure out how to pull it all together, <laughs> right? And um, build streets that are full of us, right? Where we can commune together. Um, but I want to ask you some of your thoughts around this, right? You've been inside of those walls. You've worked with the people who are gatekeepers, right? For funding and all of that. Um, what would you say about the knowledge that's inside of those walls that don't make it to streets, right? Do you think it was a lot of it? Like, what was your experience? There is definitely a lot of it. It's, it's, it's too much, actually, mm -hmm. that do not make it to the streets. Um, so a little bit about my background. I also worked in the banking industry, but I was on the retail banking side. So boots on the ground, working directly with clients, consumer clients, business clients. Um, and I worked in every role pretty much within your standard banking branch. So starting as a part-time teller and then ending my banking career as a branch manager. And during my tenure there, um, I would meet so many people in the community and the information that I would share would always be very unfamiliar to them because one, they would say, I've never heard a regular banker say that, or my bank doesn't talk to me this way. And it became so that I inherited the nickname, the spy on the inside. And that was because I was about the people, I was about the community and the information that I was learning inside, I was making sure to bring it outside of the community. And you know, Casey, when we really look at the banking industry in general and finance, it's a white male dominated field, right? And even when they think about hiring people like us into these industries, a lot of times we're a tick mark, right? Let's, let's just be real. Um, and even still, once they bring us in, there's only but so much access they want us to have. Let's also acknowledge that, right? So it's not even just them withholding access and information from the communities, but it's also them withholding it from us because of what we can do with that information and that access. Um, and honestly, when I was in my degrees in broadcast journalism, so I had no idea that I would be in banking, no idea that I would be in finance. But what was important to me was seeing people who did look like me in the industry take the information that we learned in banking and taking it back out to the community, which was something that 
attracted me to the industry. And that's why I'm even still here in a capacity of entrepreneurship being in the financial industry is taking the information from the sources and pouring it into the community. That's what it should be about, but it's not, right? It just, it has not been that way for, for decades, for many, for centuries, if we can be really honest, right? Um, so when we think about just how that affects us as a people, because you don't know what you don't know. That's simple, right? But a lot of us, we never even know what we don't know until we hear someone else speaking of what we didn't know. That's real. And which even that is a hurdle. Getting access to the information is already a hurdle. Trying to build trust with these institutions is already a hurdle. And it's hard to trust people who won't even really give you the tea. They're not even really giving you the information. I can literally go on a tangent, but it's it's problematic. It has hurt our community for years and years and years, but it's also up to people like you and I, Casey, as well as those who are still in the banking industry, still working for these institutions, to be bold and take a stand and to really prioritize giving out this information. Yep, 100%. 100%. And if we be real about it, Lindsay, um, banks are exclusive by design. Like, it was not designed for people who do not have a bank account. Credit was not designed for people who don't know anything about opening it up and storing their money there instead of under the mattress. It was not designed for people who don't have years and years of credit history, right? Like, if we be real about the matter, banking was exclusive by design. If we look at our history, right, that means that it was it was created to exclude us and serve us a, a different group of people. Um, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, sis, that is a, it is up to people like you and I and people on the inside to make a change. And I'm going to say this on public record. I've already, I've already said this to Lindsay off, off camera, y'all, but... Um, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to partnering with her and creating new solutions, bro. <laughs> like, like, yes, change will come on the inside. The people are working to make that happen. I used to be one of them. Yeah, God speak, right? But I don't believe we have to wait on them. I do not believe we have to wait on them. I believe that we can put our smart heads together and create new solutions uh, for our people. And Lindsay, look, I, I wholeheartedly want to partner with you on that. Like, um, in Africa, I've been in Africa since February, and since being here, um, I've been working with a, a company in Kenya, right? And they were saying, hey, like, farmers don't have capital, right? They don't have money to invest in machinery. So they go out there on acres and acres and acres of land with their hands. And that means that each farming season, right, they can't cultivate it all. They miss out on a lot of, you know, harvesting and money, um, but we want to give loans to them. And I'm like, look, cuz, let's get it done, right? And but this company's already established, right? So I was able to kind of look, use the press they already had, but literally create a new solution where it was like, and it's powerful. And like, this, this can happen in the US too. And I'm intentionally talking about this now where we have families and entrepreneurs and, and Lindsay right on the line because we can do this in the US. Like, I literally created a structure where, okay, you don't have a bank, in, you don't have a bank account. That ain't your fault, cuz, because that ain't your fault that they didn't show up in your village and give you an opportunity. But do you use mobile wallets? In Africa, they sure do, right? Well, I can see your transaction history. I can see how much cash flow is moving in and out. That's good enough, right? Period, <laughs> right? Um, are you going to use this, this asset, this tractor to service other people's land and make money? Okay, well, I know that you're going to be able to pay us back, right? Like, I think that we have to, and I think we can, sis, create new rules for us. 
we understand we understand how the streets move, right? We understand who buys bundles and who buys yams and who buys shea butter and bulk. Come on now, they they might as well have to understand it, right? That's uh, right. I'm That's excited right. about that, Lindsay. Like I think we got this, sis. <laughs> we do. We do. We're covered. I really do. Um, so aside from that, because y'all stay tuned because we come up with it. I'm telling y'all, uh, we got y'all for real. Aside from that, um, I do want to talk about some of the pitfalls that we sometimes run into, um, which could be avoided, right? Like system, system hurdles, it's not our fault, right? It is not our fault. Um, and I will I will yield it until the cows come home, but I think it's important for us to um to inform our people on the things that they can do to not mismanage their funds right so uh let's talk about some of the the common things that black female entrepreneurs do to um that sometimes right uh presents problems uh that could be avoided um and i know it could be a long list of this stuff so i'll i'll say just a few uh but i love to hear your thoughts Lindsay. um one of them i would say is um not crowdfunding early enough like a lot of times we think that if we don't have access to capital then we don't have anything and we just got to struggle and we don't want to ask for help and we definitely don't want to go public and say hey i need funds can you please help me that's a mistake um crowdfunding is a literal term crowdfunding is a part of bootstrapping crowdfunding is done all of the time all of the time by your favorite favorite brands right um and i think that if we realize that there's a community and a tribe waiting for us to tell them what we need and even if it's ten, just ten dollars right they'll be happy to give it and i think this should be normalized i think that we got to systemize it better where we provide even more outlets because we shouldn't only have to go to gofundme right like we know tech enough to build something where black people feel comfortable <laughs> You know, that kind of stuff, but I think that's one area, just not crowdfunding um, early enough. And then two, I'll say, and then I'll pass it to you and say, but I think two, it is um, not asking for credit before you need it. So mm-hmm. if you are in a nine to five and you pay all of your bills on time, right? And you have a decent credit history and you're thinking about going into entrepreneurship, baby, that is the time to apply for the credit cards right ask for the capital before you need it so that when you do step into not entrepreneurship and you say goodbye to that nine to five if you need some working capital meaning you're gonna sell some t-shirts but you need to buy 500 first right but you know you're gonna flip it in three months right grab that credit card then flip it and pay it off right um but a lot of times we leave first we run you know we, we don't we haven't <laughs> um we made some mistakes already and then we asked for the cash because we needed to make rent for next month, right? Or we needed to keep going. And I think we have to just be strategic and ask for capital before we need it because using it is not bad. Literally, Lindsay knows this, we will front people working capital funds all the time. It's normal. Like we understand cyclicality, right? But uh, I think as us, we have to do it before we need it so that that it ain't even a question when times are bad. We already got it and they can't take it back, right? Unless we do something crazy and lose the line. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts, Lindsay? Listen, first of all, those two were perfect. I'm like, yes, this, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we don't hear, the thing is that we don't hear that often. Like, we don't hear it often enough. 
um, in presentation seminars, where, groups, wherever we are, we don't hear people telling our people, apply for the credit before you need it. That was a golden rule in banking. <laughs> like, that was literally a golden rule in other cultures. They knew that when their credit was at their peak, when they had funds in their account, that's when they applied for credit before they, sometimes they didn't need it for six to 12 months out, but they wanted to have it in advance because they also knew that their situation could change as time go on. Um, but just hopping into another one that I have to add, we don't ask for help. Yeah. We're not honest with ourselves, right? A lot of times we're in this do-it-yourself society where we want to, we, a lot of times we start and we have to be the chief everything officer. We're over marketing operations, like HR, we're doing all of the things. However, in order to really grow, in order to really be the best self that you can be, but also create the best business, you have to have some support. You cannot yeah. be afraid to ask. And specifically financially, right? We need an accountant. You might get away a little bit with doing your own books, filing your own taxes. However, if you're not an accountant, if you're not aware of the deductions, if you're not aware of tax strategy, you're not going to file that properly. You could be saving yourself so much money by hiring someone else who is skilled and who specializes in those areas, not just with accounting, right? I believe that sometimes you need a financial wellness coach, even if, especially if you didn't uh, have financial literacy growing up, if you weren't taught how to take care of your money, how to properly create a budget, how to properly execute in that budget, because it's also a difference in creating something and actually executing what you've created, right? Let's be honest. You need those people who are a part of your team and entrepreneurship, we call them all the time, your financial dream team, those key partners that you absolutely need. That also includes your business banker. Um, Hello? Yes. If you are in business, you have a bank account at a financial institution, you need to make sure that you have a business banker who is in charge of maintenance in your relationship, someone that you can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I'm having this issue. I need support. But also, hey, I'm looking to grow my business. What credit products do you all have? You need that person that's on the inside that can almost be like your sponsor. They are your advocate to make sure that you and your business and your family get what you need so that you can grow, right? Another thing too, Casey, is that we're afraid to invest. We're afraid to spend the money. Yeah. We can't make no money if we're scared to spend it. So let's also be honest. It costs money to run a business. Like you have to consistently reinvest the revenue that you're bringing in back into the business, whether that's enhancing your systems, whether that's hiring that support, hiring those consultants, or hiring that staff to help you to grow your business. We cannot be afraid. Sometimes I think we live with the scarcity mindset where we just want to hold on to it all. Or we're making this or making that. I want to see how much I can keep. You cannot be afraid to reinvest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it, um, and, I, and as I listen to you talking, I, I agree with everything that you um, said. And I think we've had the privilege of being on the inside and realizing that these are just people. Like these people are not like genies. They're not superheroes. They're just people. So to your point, like calling the bank and being like, hey, like who is my business banker? I need to ask some questions, right? Like we are so afraid to do that. 
But I think uh, it's because we have to heal some things as it relates to money. Like we got to heal our relationship with money, right? Because as you're talking, Lindsay, and again, like we've seen these things, we know what we're talking about, right? We know it's all possible and it is your, you're entitled to it, right? But, um, you know, growing up, we grew up in households where when the first of the month came around, you know, like parents were gloomy, you know, and a little uptight and you can't ask for things and you can't, you know, like that stays in our psyche, right? Um, and so even as business owners, when things do start getting a little good, like you're so afraid, you have such a toxic relationship with money that you're afraid of blowing it, right? Or you don't trust yourself, right? Um, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's so there's so much power um, in what we're saying. And, and I, I would just say, you know, start somewhere, right? Um, yeah. Because it is, especially if you have to kill your relationship with money, it's a huge leap to take with talking to somebody about it. Like if you're not even comfortable looking at doing mirror talk with yourself about girl, listen to credit, we really messing up, we're fucking up now. Right. If you're not, if you're not there, then talking to somebody else can be very, very scary, right? Um, but I think starting somewhere somewhere is good, like QuickBooks, right? QuickBooks online. That's it. Not self-employed, $9.99 per month, right? Go and pay them people $9.99 per month to go ahead and classify your personal and your business and you'll get a little savvy with it and see how it's automated and then up it up to the $14.99 and, and they'll have a little tax person talk to you around tax time so you can ask some questions, right? Like, like start somewhere, right? Like, like Lindsay is saying, don't do it all by yourself because if you need to scale, baby, your 10 fingers and your one mouth ain't gonna hit it. Like, if your revenue, if your, if your client base quadruples overnight and it's just you like you can't keep it up right so start somewhere mm -hmm. invest in systems and then go on to the people and then once the people start killing it for you invest in your team right um i think that's super fire uh straight geniuses um so since we dipped my toe into the things that stay let's go on the credit Lizette. <laughs> uh -huh. what you want to say to the people about credit where do we start in this discussion We gotta address it, y'all. We the the starting point is we have to address it. Yeah. You cannot be afraid to pull your credit report. You cannot be afraid to see the damage that we have done. But also, you can't be afraid to address the damage that somebody might have afflicted on you. Listen, because we're if we're talking about our community, we also are aware that some of us have lived lives where our parents have put cell phone bills, light bills, cable bills, whatever bills on our credit, and then we're left with the mess to clean up. And sometimes, because it's such a hard topic to discuss, we don't know how to talk to mama about it. We don't, we don't even really want to ask for the money. We just try to sweep it under the rug. But there's only but so much sweeping that you can do under this rug before the rug starts lifting. And it's like, okay, now you actually have to clean it up. And sometimes we wait until it's too late. We got to address it now. And even for everyone, if you might be new into entrepreneurship or you haven't quite started, that's the perfect time to start cleaning it up. So when you do need access to capital, you can get those approvals. But it's also, it's a step above just gaining access to capital because let's also be honest, there are also lenders out there that will give you money if you don't have good credit. Cool. However, you pay for that. It's more expensive. So not only does having good 
to great credit does it give you access to capital, but it also gives you access to capital at a very affordable rate. You save so much money down the line by having good credit. Even if you have to invest in having good credit by paying off some things that we have in collection, right? Paying down some of that revolving debt that we may have, right? Paying off that car, that car loan that has been on our, our account for years because we've, we've gotten rid of one car, traded in, carried over some negative equity and added on to that. When we finally make a choice to address those issues on our credit report, literally life is different for you. People are knocking on your door to give you money. Oh, you started a business here. I want to give you this to apply with me. It's about being able to know that you get access to a whole nother different world when you have good credit. You got to take care of it though, but you also have to prioritize building credit on your business side right? I know a lot of business owners hate that they have to be a personal guarantor, especially when it comes to traditional lending, but you got to start treating the business for where you want it to go. Build that business credit, invest in that business credit card. Sometimes because we're afraid of credit, because we haven't really had the financial literacy that we needed, we're afraid to even apply for the business credit card. No, sis, you need it. Go ahead and apply. Yeah. Transfer some of that liability from your personal to the business. Mm -hmm. We gotta apply. We gotta take that next step. We 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 can no longer be afraid of our own potential because it holds us back. I agree, and um, I'm going to say it one more time now. Them people, them, I'm going to say it, the white men and even the white women that you see having credit and all these things, these people are not superheroes. When I say that our regular job laws who just have the audacity to ask for something, they know they don't qualify for, I'm so serious. It's, it's send it to the people that you work with, right? Like some people just have audacity to apply for the job when they're 40% at the qualification level. And we are so used to being 110% at least before we apply, right? And again, yeah. right, this was done to us. So that's what, but you deserve, right? You deserve all the things apply. You never know what's gonna happen, right? Um, and yeah, so many bars, I underscore everything Lindsay said, like she's 100% right. And once you start doing those things, right? And some people are already, I see the chat blowing up. Some, some people are already there know that there is gold at the end of the rainbow because you can start making this credit work for you there are credit cards that have rewards meaning uh if you swipe on let's say you can choose your category but let's say you apply yours towards gas that means anytime you fill up right let's say you get three <laughs> percent right um or three times the rewards on every dollar you spend right on gas like you legit use that credit card for gas. Even if you already got money in the bank, just pay it off right after, right? Um, some people travel a whole lot in their business. The credit can work for you. That means anytime you book travel with your business, you use that credit card and you get free miles. So the next miles, so the next trips are free. You still get miles on top of that. Like there is gold at the end of the other side because like as they said, you will then have people begging you, <laughs> begging you, to uh lend be, be a person they can lend to and i'll demystify why right because i think a, a huge part of this is understanding how this stuff works it's just like therapy when i were tapping into the point of understanding why it's important right and we learn a vocabulary and trauma and you know all of these things the same is true for credit right so the why is people can have their money sitting somewhere and it doesn't earn any interest right 
They can put their money in a savings account and it earns less than a percent, right? They can put it in the stock market and it's volatile, right? So you just don't know. Or they can lend to somebody and say, okay, I'm gonna charge 12% interest. And if it's a good person, if they good for it, they gonna get 12% back. That's why they wanna lend to you, right? That's literally all credit is, right? When people wanna make good bets. So like Lindsay is saying, be a good bet, right? Um, but when you get your stuff in order, there is a gold pot in the end of the rainbow where they'll be throwing all kinds of stuff at you <laughs> because they're such a good bet and they know they'll get the return they expect. Um, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, and I'll say too, and again, these are some things that Lindsay and other people in the industry, right, will have to chew on, but just know that, you know, there are uh ways to structure credit for yourself right like let's say you're tired of going and begging wells fargo for a loan and let's say you want to approach some people in the community and say if you all invest this much in me i will use it in these ways and in six months you'll get this and in 12 months you'll get that baby you deserve you can do that again these folks that y'all watching they do this and they mediocre they ain't tight they mediocre right so uh yeah i want y'all to feel empowered um I love it. Anything you want to add to that on the credit side? Yes. Um, another thing, too, don't be discouraged by the first no yeah. or the second no or sometimes the third no. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't make that, don't allow that no to hinder you from still reaching your goals. Sometimes a no is not right now. Or sometimes a no means, simply means not this company on to the next one. That's why it's also important to have options. I know a lot of times we typically start with our primary financial institution, which is great because you have a relationship with them. And a lot of times that relationship can go a long way in your approval. However, always seek alternative sources. There are CDFIs out there that exist credit uh, um, community development financial institutions, right? They exist for us. And a lot of times they lend money to business owners who cannot get traditionally approved from the bank specifically because of credit issues. Remember that you are a story. Your business is a part of your story. There are lenders out there who still believe in you and your story, even when you don't necessarily have the best credit. But don't just get stuck on those lenders, though, because what we also do sometimes is when we find alternative sources of capital, we still will kind of leave our personal credit issues on the back burner. Yeah. We cannot do that. <laughs> we want to, yes, grow our businesses, get access to capital, but we still have to address those issues that's causing us these issues in the first place simultaneously. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh Say a lot of other people in the bikes. That's real because we we love a good distraction from credit. Okay, like I don't want to look at my bank account. I ain't that in like three weeks, but I'm busy. Mm -mm -mm. Yep. Don't, don't look. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I can find a lender that will give me money at a six hundred. Oh, oh, I'll address those credit issues later. Yep. No, guys, it's simultaneous. You yep. have to do it at the same time. That's real talk. Love it. Um. Beautiful. So uh, let's talk about making, making money, right? Um, mm -hmm. So there's a difference between uh, growing revenue and scale, right? And I don't know that uh, 
all of us in the black community understand that. and again it's not our fault it's just that we're not uh oftentimes not behind these walls where these things are talked about uh where companies are assessed and we're asking the questions like but is this business scalable right and that's a different mm-hmm. question from is their revenue growing or can their revenue grow um and it's really important for everyone um in the summit to think about as business owners because you can grow your revenue without scaling right so revenue grows is simply like it went from one to two per year to three to four beautiful that's that's revenue growth but um if your revenue went from one to two uh-huh and your cost went from one to two you didn't scale right your cost went up too so your bottom line is just like okay and yeah, mm-hmm. right um, and so on and so forth, right? So if your revenue is growing and your costs are growing just as fast, you're not scaling. You're not able to do more with less, right? You're not, you don't have a system yet where you can pile on more and more on top of it and the costs don't change at all, right? Where scale, obviously that's what I'm alluding to is when you get to the position where revenue increases without a significant increase in your costs, right? Um, if you think about of the, the lift you get from technology, right, and automations. It does not matter if 30,000 people flowing through them automations or one. <laughs> like, it's going to run just fine, and the cost is literally paying for that subscription per month, right? Like, that is scale. So um, let's unpack that a little bit, Lindsay, for everyone, and just talk about the benefits of it, right? Like, the benefits of thinking through scale, positioning our businesses for scale, versus revenue, um, something that comes to mind for me off top is just a thing called profit margin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And profit margin, y'all, means, you know, yes, you get revenue for something, but there might be costs associated with it, right? So let's say you're selling a t-shirt. I love using the t-shirt example. Let's say you're selling the t-shirt, right? (laughs) And um, you're selling the t-shirt for $15, but it costs you $8 to get the t-shirt, right? So your profit margin is the delta between those because whatever it costs you, that's out the door, right? You can't claim all of that. So your profit margin is here. So a question would be, how do you get your profit margin? I'll make up a number, right? How do you get your profit margin from 40%, right? To 50%, right? Because that is achieved when you start scaling, especially if your cost not increasing as your revenues do, right? Is it you buy bulk orders, right? And so per t-shirt, your cost goes down from $8 per shirt to $5 per shirt. Beautiful, that increases your profit margin, right? Is it you you make the investment to bring the t-shirt uh, imprint machine inside the house? So it's a one-time investment for the, for the next 10 years. You know, you ain't paying nobody for those envelopes, right? Um, but increasing profit margin uh, for, for businesses is huge for scale because as your revenues increase, you're not sending as much out of the door. Uh, one last thing I'll say that I think everyone should think about, I don't care what industry or business you're in, is adding in services in some kind of way. Adding in services is a part of what you do because the profit margin most times on that, you 90%, right? If it's a Zoom meeting and you charging somebody something, but your Zoom, you just... I mean, many of the free Zoom plan, like that is huge profit margin. You're literally not paying anything to receive those funds. So teaching what you know, teaching your expertise, holding mastermind groups, right? Um, Having co-working sessions. These are things that you can literally do for almost free, right? It's not free, but you're making income. And so overall, your business profit margin has increased because your mix, right, has changed a little bit. So 
Um, I just think that's huge for people to think about and build in so that as things take off, you can keep your your, your costs from going up so high. Uh, Lizzie, what would you say um, about revenue and scale and the importance of it and some things to think about? I think what we don't talk about enough is that when it comes to just thinking about the longevity of your business and just having the desire to scale, that means that sometimes you got to do things differently. We have to make sure that we have the proper systems in place. Systems are everything. Literally having the right systems in place can make the difference of you being able to scale in the next six to 12 months or you being able to scale in the next two to three years. Right. So having the appropriate systems in place, also having the right technology in place, automating things where you can get some of your time back so that you can do more, spend those extra hours that you now get back as revenue producing hours. What are you doing during those hours now that you've now gotten back? How can you make more money in that? Right. But also a part of scaling is do you have the team in place? Do you have the people in place? Yes, it's an investment to pay them. However, just depending on their compensation structure, because everybody who joins your team doesn't necessarily have to get a certain type of salary that we envision. Bartering exists. That is a real thing where you can barter with another company. You provide them something, they provide you something that can ultimately still help you to scale. But also when you're bringing on people, considering their entire compensation package versus just the amount of money that they are receiving. So making sure that you have the people so that you can delegate tasks. A lot of times, as we mentioned earlier, when you are the chief everything officer and you're doing everything, you already can't scale right there because you're you're being drained dry. You yeah. got to have somebody, something, someone in place that you can delegate some tasks to to yeah. be able to help you. But also, too, is what resources are you tapping into, right? You ultimately want to make sure that you are utilizing appropriate resources in the right way because even the misuse of resources can cost you money. Yeah. It can reduce your ability to scale. So mm. how are we doing this? What type of planning, planning, planning are we doing <laughs> yeah. to either prepare for scaling and I have to reiterate that because you can't just scale because you just wake up one morning and say oh we made xyz more than we made last month I'm ready to do this no proper scaling actually takes some planning you want to be able to plan around your revenues you want to be able to plan around your overall bottom line your profit margins you want to make sure that the investment that you are making in your business is going to be lucrative and that you you will actually be able to see a return on that investment and when you are planning for your business planning for longevity planning to scale i always say include some partners even if you have to to bring in a business coach temporarily even if you have to bring in a consultant who has worked in your industry sometimes you can't just do it by yourself because you're limited by your own creativity you're limited by only what you know versus being able to tap into someone else, someone else's perspective, someone else's network, someone else's resources. Sure, it might cost you, but when you think about what you gain over yeah. the long term, sometimes it's a priceless, yeah. priceless. Yeah. You preaching, sis. Like, we can go past the collection plate, right, and do the, <laughs> do the hymn and then close it out. Uh, that's real. And I love how you say uh, chief 
chief everything officer because that's what it feels like, especially when you started, right? And then as black women, shoot, we don't want nobody to see us sweating as for you know, so we put the whole world yeah. on our backs, right? Um, but I, I I echo everything you said, uh, you're spot on, and um hiring help is never a bad call even if the person proves not to be a good fit you'll learn what skills you need the next time right because you still need somebody now don't sleep right um but really figuring out what the right uh right formula is right with the mix of skills and perspective and experience etc and and i think that you know people do and i think it's great people do these um, personality quizzes or these strengths and weaknesses quizzes, et cetera. It is so great to know your blind spots. You do mm. not learn your blind spots so that you spend all your time mastering all those things. No, you learn your blind spots so that you know what areas you need to outsource because your creative genius, you can do that in your sleep, baby. And that fuels your engine, baby, you know? <laughs> and it allows you to look two years on the road and, and be the vision plan. That's what the CEO needs to be. Right, the CEO does not have to be the accountant person, the person that knows about marketing all this stuff, right? You gotta be the visionary, right? So you operating a creative genius, and when you understand these blind spots, so do the surveys, I think it's great, but you know exactly who you need to hire so that they can come and operate in their creative genius. And what would it take you six months to scratch the service on your on your own? They would come in the hour and say, Oh no, 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 scrap this, we need to go this way. And then like, come on, scale, baby, what? <laughs> yeah. Boom, like it's magic, right? So um, these are gems. I love this. Uh, clearly, we can geek out about this stuff, but I hope it's resonating. Right, drop a one in the chat if you're learning something. Um, if this is resonating, if you're happy to be here, I'm I'm sure happy to be here with all of you, um, incredible black uh, women who are creating legacy. Uh, Lindsay, who she she can preach about some legacy now, uh, but y'all in the right place. Um, beautiful. So I think we've. We've hit a lot of things, right? And I think it's a very comprehensive conversation. Um, Lindsay, is there anything else that you think is just really important to touch on in this uh, in this space we have? Absolutely. Um, as an entrepreneur, I know that we spend a ton of time thinking about the business. How do we grow the business? How do we scale? How do we do this? How do we do that? But in the process of growing your business, running this business, you can't forget about yourself. And that is, yes, in Black wealth and finance, but when we think about wealth, wealth is tangible and intangible things, right? Your physical health, like, because health is wealth, let's just be honest. We want to physically be able to be here to run this business, to make XYZ money, right? But think about your goals. Think about what you personally need aside from your business. I think sometimes once you start a business, you kind of automatically attach, your, attach yourself to the business and that's it, right? Everything is about the business. How do you move in the business? What do you do in the business? But also think about yourself. Your business is one entity. You are a whole nother person. You are a whole nother living being that needs to be taken care of. Making sure that as an entrepreneur that you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically investing in yourself. But when we speak about finances, making sure that you also have your own personal financial goals that you are looking to achieve. Your business is just a source of income for you to help you achieve those things personally. We cannot forget about ourselves. We cannot forget about 
those vacations that we want to take. We cannot forget about that inheritance that we want to leave our children. We cannot forget about the things that we want right now as we live and go through life. But in order to really take care of you, you have to remember that you exist and you are separate from your business. Yes, you are your walking brand for your business. Yes, you are that billboard. Yes, yes, yes to all of those things. But first, before any of that, you are you. Don't forget to take care of you. Don't forget to to invest in your financial future of you separately from the business. That's right, Lindsay. Um, I think of, of everything we said, that's the most important thing, right? Um, because the truth is, uh, I think Denzel Washington said it best. He said, it, he said, overnight success is 12 years in the making. He said, overnight success is 12 years in the making. Um, so that means that it's going to take some time to perfect some things, right? There are a lot of people out there talking about some get-rich-quick schemes, but I don't think you align to that in the first place, right? So, of course, you burnt out in six months of frustrating it, you know? Um, the truth is it takes time to cultivate this. It takes time to figure out who our target audience is. It takes time to figure out um, what our lane of genius is, right? And which things we really want to scale and which things we want to put down. So if you are going to last, right? Uh, if you're going to have longevity, you have to take care of yourself. You have to. You don't want burnout debilitating you. You don't want um, stress-induced illnesses, right, to slow you down. Like, um, you didn't leave your nine-to-five to become a slave to your business. I'm going to say that one more time. You didn't leave your nine-to-five to become a slave to your business. You left because you wanted to exist at the intersection of freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. And if that is the case, you gotta do everything in your power to protect that. And anytime one of those three things are disaligned, you gotta have enough space to be able to pause and pump the brakes and say, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, let me rejigger this thing, right? Because you didn't leave to be a slave to it, right? Um, you, you came for freedom, you came for flexibility, you came for fulfillment, right? So. Um, I echo everything Lindsay is saying and give yourself great. I'm not asking you, Lindsay's not asking you to be a millionaire in a year. We ain't asking that, bro. What? <laughs> We're not asking you to hit $10,000 months in three months or you slack. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we champion and salute everything that you're doing today. All of the strides that you've made, wherever your business is today, bad, bad, you are moving mountains and there's somebody in this world that is better because you exist, right? But take care of yourself in the process, right? And like Denzel said, baby, when you look up and you're 12 months still in it and you're looking good, you're drinking your water, you're minding your business, right? You got a tribe that can vibe with you. Man, it'll be all worth it and it'll feel like it went by like that, right? Um, because what you built, shit's self-sustaining. Like you got plenty of bread, you got plenty of legacy, you got plenty of inheritance, right? I, I love it, Lindsay. Um, I echo everything you you said, um, and let me see if I want to say any, leave, leave, leave the ladies with anything. Um, I, I feel like you've said it all for sure. Uh, we don't have a couple sermons today, and um, I think the major points, I, I guess I would just add that um, it is so important for us Black people, Black women, to recognize that 
the way we spend our dollars is the fuel, the economic fuel that drives our communities. We don't have droves of people showing up in our hoods, like, let me invest in these businesses, let me keep these businesses alive, right? It is our intentional choice to show up and pull up and buy the soap from Shadi on the corner, because we got to buy stuff anyway, right? It's our intentional choice to go and say, hey, I need somebody to help me plan this wedding. I know you fire with it, right? With creativity and spend your dollars there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so be mindful, right, um, of the way that you spend your dollars. And if you do not know of a Black-owned person that provides this product that you need, Google it. Take two seconds and Google it, man, because again, like, we are, we, the way we spend our dollars is the economic fuel that keeps our communities alive, right? And there's so many people overlooking us. There's no reason, there's no reason why we should overlook ourselves. Uh, there's some of this full of beautiful Black queens who are providing goods and services <laughs> that we all need. So connect, man. Uh, exchange email addresses, um, follow each other on social media, clap in the comments when you see your sister hitting a win, right? And in that way, they're top of mind so that when you need something, you're going to spend the money anyway. <laughs> you might as well spend it with each other and these things we're talking about, like capital and having access or whatever. We keep each other afloat. Uh, there's a there's a Buy Black virtual market that's happening right after this conversation where super, super, super dope small businesses who are already serving people in the community are showing up in a virtual global setting. Uh, some of them for the first time ever <laughs> being able to access people from around the globe. Man, pull up with them, talk to them, you know? Uh, ask about their stories, uh, see what you might need, even if it's not today, right? Like keep it written down so that when that does come up, man, you can spend your dollars with them and you keep them alive because again, this gonna take us 12 years to be an online success. Thank y'all so much. Liz, I love you, mama. <laughs> I love you, sisters. I love you, too. We have so much great work in store for us, for you ladies and beyond. Yeah, we do. All right, y'all have fun for the rest of the day. Have a blast. The last day of the summit. We in here, baby. All right, good people. Um, so now is the time that the Buy Black virtual market opens. It is your time to pull up on Black businesses, to sit at their tables, to ask them questions, to get on-the-spot consultations, to see if you can source some bulk orders uh, to put in your skincare line, uh, to see if you can source some bulk orders uh, to stock your, your stores to see if you can have consultations on the spot so that you can choose your next coach, right? Um, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, we have a lot of industries in the space, health and wellness. We have business services. We have apparel. Um, we have a lot of different industries. Y'all need biz besties. Y'all need dynamic circles. Y'all need mentors. Y'all need sponsors. Y'all need strategic peer relationships. Pull up in the Buy Black market and talk, chop it up. Ask how they got to where they got and all of that, right? Um, just show up, right? And for the next four hours, this is open. And again, again, I, I'm challenging y'all to really pull up. We've talked time and time again about relationship building. And Casey has said time and time again, it's not about playing the game. It is not. They, talk, they, they taught us that toxic stuff 
uh, some conquerors, <laughs> some colonizers, right? Some capitalists, right? Uh, let's be real about it. Uh, taught us about playing the game and being sneaky and sly and all of that. But what we need to do, we're going to heal, right? Um, and be comfortable in this thing and not nauseous every time we show up to networking. We need to show up in authenticity. We need to show up willing to have reciprocity, to give something and receive something, right? Um, to see our sisters and our brothers, right? And understand that they will see us in return. So I want y'all to pull up, optimize these next four, four hours. This is the last day of the summit. You're not going to get this time back. December the 5th, and once it's gone, it's gone, right? But you have an incredible opportunity. Even if you're doing it scared, <laughs> do it. Uh, let those in the boots hold your hand, please. And I want you to walk away from today, not just with a lot of insight and knowledge in your head, but I want you to walk away with tangible things saying, wow, I just found my next coach. Or wow, I just bought from a black woman. And because I invested in her business today, she'll be able to buy one new product, right, for her business. She'll be able to stretch her line a little farther. She'll be able to change her packaging, right? Because I bought from her business today, right? That's the kind of stuff we need to be intentional about doing. It is not about playing the game. It is about showing up in authenticity because as you gain space, you have enough, you have more space to offer up for other people. That is what Casey has done over the last five days. I'm going to include this as a full day now. That's what I've done. As I've attained space, I've given it up for other people, right? And beautiful things have happened. I need y'all to do the same. Somebody paid you, a paycheck or, or got get some orders in, take your dollars and spend it in the black community because you are then making space for somebody else to go uh, further. Denzel Washington said it takes 12 years to become an overnight success. That is overnight success. So we got to make sure that all of us can hang in there and stay in the game. Um, I'm closing this out now. A few reminders, very important reminders, especially because you have four hours to parlay. Number one, Please, please, please make sure that you answer the polls and the feed to give feedback on the sessions that you have heard. These speakers will receive this so they know what to refine, right? So they know uh, how to get better. So they know how well it resonated, right? So your feedback is very important. And it's important for these speakers and all business owners to get comfortable looking at feedback, right? We, we don't need to give the world with our eyes closed what we think they need to have. We need to give the world what they want. And the only way we know what they want is by soliciting feedback, right? Like, it's okay, even if it stings. So please update those polls so that I can pass along that feedback to them and so they can continue to refine themselves. So that's number one. It's in the feed always. All of the sessions need to have uh, feedback. So please answer the polls. Number two, number two, uh, to get to the buy black market, once you leave out of this session, you'll see a banner at the top of your screen. It gives you an option to go to the reception area, to the lounge area, right, uh, to the schedule. And then fourth, you'll see Buy Black Market. That's another room. That's another hallway. That's another floor inside of this platform. The, the platform is Firefly. When you go inside of the Buy Black Market, you will see stores. And it is much like walking into a mall and you see the doors and the signage, right? So all you have to do is go inside of those stores and you'll be able to see their stage and their links and their resources and their pictures. And you'll see their lounges. Every single 
vendor has a lounge where you can sit at tables and like chop it up with them via video. Um, so please do go there. I'm just explaining how to navigate it. Again, you're going to go to the Buy Black Market. That is a floor, a virtual floor inside of here um, and chop it up with them. And then number three, this is the last day. So I am asking for your feedback. Um, I'm going to drop in the feed. I'll pin it. I'm going to drop in the feed a link uh, that you will be able to submit video testimonials on. It'll be very, very easy. I'm all about putting the ease and easy for Black women. So it's just one click uh, and it'll do the recording for you and all of that. <laughs> Uh, you can even send a link to your cell phone if you want to do it real quick, whatever, right? But the link will pull up, um, automated way to capture your, your testimonial to record it on the spot. Um, but I need it. I need it. Why do I need it? Um, because we deserve so much, right? And if you don't have the experience of a black woman, it's very hard to understand why we need help and why effective impact makes such a big difference in our lives. Um, but you're video testimonials will draw empathy. Your video testimonials will make certain things plain that could otherwise not be understood, right? So as I get more and more people to show up on our turf to give us give us the resources, the capital, the access, the bandwidth, the money, the loans, the grants that we need, um, your video testimonials will help. Just paint the picture like, oh, wow, like that's how much, you know, a DJ said beans to them. Oh, wow, like that's how much... Uh, showing intersectionality of healing and business building and healing trauma, you know, like we need your testimonials. Casey needs your testimonials to make it plain for the folk in the back. Um, but also just so I know how you feel, right? Like I want to know. I want to know. So I'll drop that link in the feed. And if you could, please give me uh, your feedback via video testimonials. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, you're going to go hang out at the Buy Black Virtual Market. Please do buy. And then the second half of the day will start thereafter. The second half of the day will start at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And it's going to be over after a few more sessions. What are those sessions? We have an incredible TED Talk uh, that's coming from my very own Nina. It is called... She no longer serves me. And then we have a remarkable TED Talk coming from my very own Neff. And it is called When the Village Shows Up. And then we have our final session of this entire five-day summit that will be given by me the founder of Blaze Group LLC. It is the closing keynote speech and it is called, Let Me Hold Your Hand. I invite all of you to attend those final three sessions. And after that, it is truly over. We would have done what we came here to do. The world knows our name now because we showed up in this, in this way and it'll never be the same. I'll see y'all soon. Um, but definitely patron the Buy Black Market. Love and light. Have fun. Enjoy. Let your hair down and buy from each other. All right. Love and light. Peace.
Y'all be sure to follow us on Instagram at Digital Black Wall Street. Follow us on TikTok and Twitter at Digital Black WS.